1: Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Amen Turn away from your sin Yes And believe Is the only shelter from the coming storm.
2: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm glad you've come to listen today. I pray that your heart will be encouraged and you will make some very real decisions about how you're going to live your life for Jesus. When I was just a boy, our family lived in western Pennsylvania and we attended a church in Sharpsville, Pennsylvania. It was a small country church. My two brothers and myself would sit with Mother on the hard pew during the worship service Dad was usually on the platform, and often he was preaching. He was the lay leader of the church. But there was a man that I became friends with as a little boy. He would reach out to me. I liked him. He was very pleasant to be with. His name was Aaron. Aaron always sat in the far back corner of the church, the the last pew. I would sometimes ask my mother, may I go and sit with Aaron today for the worship? Yes. And so I would slip back to where Aaron was sitting. He'd always welcome me. And I would sit with him. Now I'm Always a curious man, and as a little boy, I was even more curious. I said to him on one occasion, Aaron, yes, are you a backslider? He looked surprised. He said, what makes you think that? I said, well, my daddy said you were a backslider. Are you a backslider? He said, well, I think your daddy has it about right. Yes, I'm a backslider. I was heartbroken. And uh, just a little boy, I said to him, I'm going to pray for you. He said, thank you, Raymond. I want you to pray for me. He was a backslider because, in my father's mind, he never attended the prayer meeting. And in dad's mind, if you didn't attend the prayer meeting, you were probably a backslider. But then, in addition to that, he was not a part of the church, he was not a member. He came every week, he contributed but he was not a member and he always refused when invited to become a member. Why did he refuse? Because he loved the city lights. There were some clubs and and dancing and drinking and he enjoyed all that lifestyle of darkness. So he said, yes, I'm a backslider. Meaning that at one time he had walked with the Lord, but then he had been seduced by the world. He'd been seduced by pleasure, and he had given way to that. It's not a pleasant thing to be a backslider. I learned some years later that Aaron had made a decision to join the church. Did that mean he was no longer a backslider? No, of course not. It just meant he wanted people off his back. Now, was he still a backslider? I don't know. But I want to share with you, out of the book of 1 John, this is, of course, the same person who wrote the Gospel of John and who took the dictation for the book of Revelation. And he comes in the book of 1 John to speak against Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, or a a derivative of Gnosticism, is the rule of the day in the church in America. I want to suggest to you that almost everyone who is in the church in America is a backslider, Now, the reason I don't want to say that too strongly is that to be a backslider, you at one time had to be walking in the presence of God, sold out, and then fall back. I think many today who are in the church in America have never truly given themselves to the Lord Jesus. They've joined the church. They've enjoyed the social atmosphere. They've enjoyed the friendships but they're not really sold-out Christians. I've met very, very few sold-out Christians in my life. Now, 1 John begins to address this issue. He speaks in 1 John, the first chapter, verse 5, and this is the message that we've heard from him and report back to you. That is, this is what Jesus told us when we were with him that God is light. If God is light, that means that he is literally in his divine nature, who cannot be self contained. He is shedding that light abroad wherever he goes. Wherever the presence of God is, there is the brilliance of truth of light. He's not a liar, he is not in darkness, he has nothing to hide. He is right up front. This is what I mean, and this is what you must do if you're going to enter into salvation. Now, obviously, that's not the case today in the church. everything is. Hidden, shaded, not right up front where you can see and understand what's going on. God is light, and there's no darkness in him, none whatsoever. So there's no darkness in God. There's no darkness in Jesus, and there should be no darkness in his people, no hidden sin Now he goes on. If we may say that we have fellowship with him, and yet we may walk in darkness, we lie to ourselves and do not the truth. Did you know truth is something we do? It's the way we live. It's how we speak to other people. He's saying if we're saying that we have fellowship with Jesus and yet there are areas of our life that we keep shrouded in darkness because we know that if the Holy Spirit came into our life right now, he would not keep that thing that we have treasured in our hearts. We addressed this issue just a bit yesterday, but let's, let's review, it, uh, review it very quickly. That is that if you die and you're laid in a casket, what interest do you have in the lifestyle you were living before you died? you have an interest in the club that you belong to? The parties that you went to? Do you have any interest in the sports that you used to love so passionately do you have any any love for money no you're dead all of these things have passed away i've never i've never walked over a grave in the cemetery and had somebody rise up and say don't you dare walk on my grave no they're dead He's saying, if we walk in darkness, we lie to ourselves and do not the truth. I've said to people many times, what about this in your life? Oh, pastor, I'm working on it. No, you're not. Don't lie to me. You're saying that to get me off your back. So some people, I just let them go on. But I know they're lying to me and they're lying to themselves. Because they love that thing of darkness. They love that activity that has nothing to do with Jesus, has nothing to do with salvation, has nothing to do with preparing for eternity. It is of this world. It is of the flesh. It is of the devil. And they don't want to talk about it. Well, Pastor, it's harmless, isn't it? One man who listened to this radio broadcast, he contacted me. He said, Pastor, you said that it was wrong to go to the football games. Did you mean that? And I said to him, my brother, will Jesus have organized a football team in heaven do the angels play football well no of course not then what makes you think that you can live on this earth and participate in these things of darkness that have no connection to Jesus well he said but what's wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it is there as soon as you say what's wrong with it you've just said why you should cut it off <laughs> it's that simple. If you have to defend what you do by saying what's wrong with it. Now you see if if you say to me, pastor, are you spending time every day reading your bible? Do I answer you by saying, "Hey, come on, what's wrong with reading my bible?" Of course not. I say, yes, absolutely I do. Or if I say to you, yeah, this Sunday I'm going to go to the National Prayer Chapel and you say to me, are you sure you should be going there? Am I going to say to you, come on, what's wrong with going to the National Prayer Cha-? No, of course I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say, yes, I'll be there at the call of Jesus. Yes, I'll. It's my place of worship, and by the way, you should come too. You're welcome. We'd like to have you, if you're serious about Jesus. You see, we don't defend those things of righteousness. We defend those things, and we have an edge about those things that we know are not pleasing to the Lord, but we want to keep them. We don't want to give them up. They belong to us. I would say, in that situation, you are a backslidden person. You have gone to the darkness. He says, If we may say that we have fellowship with him, and yet we may walk in the darkness, we lie to ourselves and do not do the truth. You know, I'm afraid more of one thing than anything else in the world. And that is, I'm afraid of lying to God and I'm afraid of lying to myself. I don't want to lie to myself. I don't want to lie to God. He says, but if we may keep walking in the light, just as he himself is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from every conceivable sin. And I hear people say, I hear preachers say, you cannot be cleansed of all your sin. You're going to have to live with your sin until you die. And when you die, Jesus will remove that blemish from your heart. So death is their Savior. My Savior is Jesus Christ, and his blood is what washes me clean and removes every conceivable sin from my heart and my life. It is the blood of Jesus that does this work. But, listen, if we may say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, Remember, he's dealing here with Gnosticism, and the Gnostics said, hey, we don't have any sin. We don't need it, Jesus. He's saying, if you claim you have no sin and you do not have the blood of Jesus, then you're lying. You are deceived. Then he says in verse 9, if we may be in agreement with God, With respect to our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he may remove the sins with reference to us and may cleanse us from every conceivable unrighteousness. Do you see this? If we're going to walk with the Lord... We must come in agreement with Him with regard for the need of cleansing. We must agree with God concerning our sin. We can't hide it. We can't be unconscious. We have to very clearly Come into agreement with God regarding my need for cleansing power in the blood. And then we must do something else. We must come into agreement with God and agree that we must be separated from our sin. Now, this is the rub, isn't it? We don't want to be separated from our sin. Come on, what's wrong with that, Pastor? As soon as you've asked it, you've given yourself away. I used to say to my dad, Daddy, what's wrong with the movies? Everybody goes to the movies. And yet you say we should not go to the movies. Why? Why? What's wrong with the movie house? It's just seats in a clean auditorium. You go in, you sit down, and you watch the movie. I thought my dad's answer was a clever one. Up to that time, he'd been saying, boys, Jesus will not go with you into that theater. And I don't want to go anywhere that Jesus won't go. Well, he was right, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me. So then he said, It's almost dinner time, guys. Let's get in the car and let's drive down to Sharpsville. I know where there's some great garbage cans. And let's root through those garbage cans and see what we can find for dinner tonight. And all of us said, "Are you kidding, daddy?" No. We're not going to go eat food out of the garbage can. We might get poisoned and we might die. How can we? He said, no, no, let's go. Come on, let's go down and let's see if we can find a feast tonight in the garbage can. We were horrified. Now, I'm not against some people dumpster diving. I've done it some myself. But for food no well you get the point daddy was saying when you go to the theater you're going to get your meal out of a garbage can it's putrid it's ugly most films are demonic the whole marvel series most of the movies are produced by hollywood And they are garbage. And they encourage you in the way of darkness and in the way of wickedness. They're filled with violence, with bitterness, with rage, with trauma. In my book, all of that is just straight out of the garbage can. Why do I want to add that to my life? Someone just said to me yesterday... Oh, I'm going to a movie tonight. Really? I said. You're going to do that? Why? Well, a friend asked me to go. So I'm going to go. Garbage can life. He says, You must be in agreement with God regarding the need for cleansing. And then you must be in Further agreement to be separated from that sin by the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I know I'm speaking a foreign language to many. They don't believe they can ever leave their sin. They believe in the sinning Christian. They denigrate cast down the blood of jesus christ and make it of no more value than the blood of bulls and goats in the old covenant but i tell you what the old covenant has been done away with and we've been given a wonderful new covenant and in that covenant the blood of jesus is almighty and all powerful and if we will come in agreement with god regarding the need of cleansing and if we will come in agreement for the separation from sin he will do that work in us and most people that i know they'll go just so far and then they stop pastor don't don't deal with me on my pride don't deal with me on my pride The pride is evident in the car, the truck, the house, the clothes. The pride is evident in the self-justification. The pride is evident in the refusal to step in and help a brother. The pride is evident in many different ways. And we must come in agreement with God regarding our pride. And we must come in agreement with Jesus regarding the fact that he will remove it from us if we will allow and agree with him. It says, if we may live in agreement with God with respect to our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he may forgive in the NIV, but in the lavender, it is more correctly translated. Aphemy is the Greek word, and it means to remove. He is faithful and righteous so that he may remove the sins with reference to us and may cleanse us from every conceivable unrighteousness. If we may say that we have not sinned, we represent him to be a liar, and his word is not in us. And the Gnostic said, we've not sinned. The Christian Gnostic says, We've sinned, and we continue to sin, but it doesn't matter because Jesus has imputed his grace to us. His righteousness is imputed to us, and so we're good to go. They're just another branch of Gnostics. They're not Christians. In chapter 2, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you, so that you may not sin even once hereafter. One man said to me, Pastor, we sin every day, time after time after time. I read in this scripture, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin even once hereafter. Now, please, let me say something to you. I don't come on this radio broadcast and preach my opinions. I don't preach a theological posture. I come and bring before you the actual word of God for what it says in reality. If you disagree with what I'm saying, you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the word of God. And for me, the word of God has final and absolute authority over my life in determining whether or not I will go to hell or whether I will be in heaven with Jesus. The cry of my heart is that I would not even sin once now that I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus I have come into agreement regarding all sin in my heart. I've come in agreement with God for the need for that sin to be utterly cast out and removed. And I agree that I don't want to sin even once hereafter. But if anyone may sin once hereafter... This encourages my heart. But please, do not use it as an excuse. This is a very unusual situation. This is not the norm of the life. But if anyone may sin once hereafter, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. And He Himself is atonement Concerning our sins, but not concerning ours only, but also concerning the world as a whole. So he's saying, look, Jesus did not do atonement on the cross. He was the atonement. And he has made it possible for us to to totally stop sinning and be found completely in Jesus Christ if we choose to no longer walk in darkness, we choose to no longer hide from the purifying work of Jesus Christ, if we no longer resist the word of God as it comes to our hearts. Now, I want to be very straight with you. Almost all of us, including myself, have through the years spent a great deal of time and energy resisting the holy spirit proclaiming my innocence proclaiming that i can't help myself this is just who i am this is just how i am i no longer want in any manner to resist the holy spirit I've made a decision and I ask you to make the same decision today that you will come in agreement with God regarding any sin that is found in your life and that you will come in agreement with the Lord God of heaven that the blood of Jesus Christ can totally remove that sin from your heart and from your life. That you can walk clean. That you can be saved. He writes, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin even once hereafter. That is the expected place for us to walk by this apostle John. He knows from Jesus this is the place he expects us to live, not walking in sin. But if anyone may sin, once hereafter we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he himself is atonement concerning our sins, but not concerning ours only, but also the world as a whole. And by this we know that we have known him, if we may continue to keep his commandments. You understand, the only evidence that you know Jesus Christ is that you walk in accord with his will and his way. You do not walk in darkness. You walk totally clean before him. You walk clean before your brothers and sisters. You don't walk in bitterness or anger or selfishness. You walk in peace with all men, insofar as that's possible. The one saying, I have known him, but is not continuing to keep his commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in this person. Now, these are, these are hard sayings. But they're right. They're correct. There is no longer any reason or any excuse before Almighty God For walking in rebellion and sin against him. There's no longer any reason for us to duck into the world, the flesh, or the devil. There's no reason for us to become angry and bitter. There's no reason for us to be accusatory. We died. And all of that's finished. Now, the problem is many of you have tried very hard to be a good person. You've tried to live the Christian life. You've done your very best, but you know you keep failing. There's really only one answer for that. And the answer for that is you must die. You must give up your life. You must totally give up your life. Are you willing to do that? It means giving up every vine that you're attached to in the world that gives you sustenance. except that one vine, Jesus Christ, and then he will connect you where he wants to connect you. He will provide for you where he wants to provide for you. I have places and people in my life who constantly are reaching out to me. They help me along in the journey. I spoke with one of those people this morning. I told him that I had been down with a, with a fever last night. That my nose is running. You know what his immediate answer was? Pastor, can I can I bring you some chicken noodle soup? <laughs> what can I do to help you, Pastor? We need the message. Wow. Now that's not a vine of darkness. That's a vine set up by Jesus. That's a vine where Jesus is moving in the heart of a wonderful brother to provide what is necessary for healing. Maybe not even a brother. It may be just a job opportunity that Jesus brings to you. And then he blesses you in. We can't live without connections. But that chief connection has to be in Jesus Christ and then what he gives to us to be connected to. I have a, a wonderful friend who owns a restaurant. He insists that I come to his restaurant as often as I want. And he will not charge me. Because he says, your prayers are valuable to me. All I ask is that you would come to my restaurant and pray for me. And pray for the restaurant. And pray for the people who come here. Wow. Amazing. That's a a vine through which Jesus sends what he chooses for me. When I was asked by the Lord, and I've said it before, and some of you get real (laughs) heartburned, but I'm sorry. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And he speaks today just like he did in the past. He asked me, will you receive from my hand? Only that which I give you. Yes. Yes, gladly. I will receive only from your hand what you give me. That means I don't say, Oh, I need a new car. I go buy my new car and go in debt to the bank. No, I don't. I wait on Jesus for that car. I wait on Jesus for everything. And I receive from him what he chooses to give to me. So, John writes, By this we know that we have known him, if we may continue to keep his commandments. The one saying, I've known him, but is not continuing to keep his commandments. He's a liar. The truth is not in this person. So a person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but then he follows the ways of darkness, is lying. There's no truth in him. But whoever may keep his word Truly, in this person, the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in Him. The one claiming to continue in Him ought Himself so to walk just as that one also walked. In other words, Jesus is the model for how we're to walk for our total dependence on the Father. Jesus said he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything except as he was directed by the Holy Spirit, by the Father. This is the place we're called to begin to walk into. This is the place we're called to be a part of, where we walk in the Spirit, where we don't walk in the in the rage and the judgments of our own heart, where we walk in, ex- in perfect alignment with the will of God, with the way he's called us to walk. Brethren, I'm not writing a new commandment to you that never previously existed, but an old commandment which you were having from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you that never previously existed, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining already. He's saying you must be in Jesus. And in Jesus, you must love your brother. You know, we really need to learn how to give. We're coming to a holiday soon called Christmas. Now, I don't do much with Christmas. I believe it's a pagan holiday. But it's when many people celebrate the birth of Jesus, even though it wasn't the birth of Jesus. But it's a wonderful, wonderful time to give. And many of you have a hard time giving. Some of you are so outrageous, you give constantly. But some of you are selfish. You don't want to give anything. I spoke with one person. I said, have you ever considered tithing? Well, no. Why would I tithe? That's an Old Testament deal. No, it's not. Do you give? Well, no. I need all I have. This person has never begun to understand this principle of giving and receiving. As we come into this time called Christmas... I would urge you to be very generous in your giving. Not so much that you short yourself, but so that you can bless another and tell them of the love of Jesus for them. I love the Christmas time because it gives me an opportunity and an excuse If I needed one. I don't. To give to many Muslim families. Muslim families are not offended. If you give to them at Christmas. I find. Their hearts are very open. I urge you to consider this. This commandment. That was of old. But. But is now in Jesus Christ, and it's a new commandment. The one claiming, this is verse 9, 1 John 2, verse 9, the one claiming to be in the light, and yet hating, or that is being indifferent to his brother, is in darkness. The one loving his brother continues in the light, But enticement to sin is not in him. You want to break the power of sin in your life? Then start to give and be generous. The one hating his brother is in the darkness. The one being indifferent to his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Today, this broadcast is all about light. The light of Jesus Christ fills the earth. There is no darkness in Jesus. There's no conniving. There's no dishonesty. There's no wickedness. There's no bitterness. Jesus comes with his hands held out to us, saying, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. That's what we're called to do. So today I've shared with you the first chapter and a part of the second chapter of 1 John. Go back and read it. See for yourself what it says. We are called to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. No lying, no ducking, no dodging. The truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. And as we share that gift of love with others, we invite them to follow Jesus Christ. The devil is full of darkness. He is full of anger and rage He is filled with every unclean thing. But Jesus is just the opposite. He's filled with righteousness and holiness. He's filled with innocence. He's filled with joy and peace and love. How could you possibly turn away from someone who loves you enough to die for you? Are you a backslider today? I'm sure some of you are backslidden. And I'm calling you, get right with Jesus. And if you've never been right with Jesus, you've always just been a church person, but you never really got right with Jesus. Get right with Jesus. Stop the games agree with God about your sin, agree with him about the need for your sin to be removed from your heart and allow him to totally wash and cleanse you and make you into a new person. And then you'll walk in the joy of your salvation with no twisting or turning in darkness. Well, we're out of time for today. Let's pray together. Lord, I come to my brother and sister and say, Lord, you see the hidden part of every man and every woman's heart. You know whether a person is a backslider or whether they've just never even come to you in in wholeness and, and submitted their lives to you. Lord, I plead today that you would open the door of heaven and remove all sin and all darkness, For my brother and my sister. Lord, some who have listened today are very contentious. Always defending, always arguing, always intellectualizing. But never walking in peace. Never walking in love. Always ducking and dodging. Lord, I pray that you'll stop that ducking and dodging today. That, Lord, you would turn every person listening to this broadcast into the light where it can be plainly seen whether they're walking in righteousness or whether they're walking in sin. And if they're in sin, that you, Jesus, in your mercy and your compassion would remove that sin from their hearts and you would wash them and change them. Lord, I thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you. If this has been helpful to you, then write to me. Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that address, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also uh, go to our webpage and you can give online. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. You're also welcome to come and worship with us this Sunday. Go to the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com and you'll find there the directions for how you can find us. I love you, my brother and my sister. I want you to walk in innocence and clean and not walk in any, any sin before Almighty God. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.